Scott, that's a wizard. A hundred percent. Calling the game right now. Dressed like the Michelin man, ready to get my fuck on. A really good team that shouldn't have been. Well, seven different teams won conference championships. U of A, not one of them. I just wanted to point Welcome, that out. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm Chris. This is Dom. Just a couple of comics talking sports. Who are we talking about today? We are talking about Chris Mullen. Probably the best left-handed shooter of all time. Yeah, and uh, part of one of the greatest Oof. NBA teams ever assembled in the 92 Dream Team. Like, That's right. you got to be a pretty good basketball player to find yourself a spot on that roster. So uh, you want to get into him? Yeah, man. All let's right. Hear it. Christopher Paul Mullen, born July 30th, 1963 in Brooklyn, New York, which uh, this guy is New York through and through. Oh, absolutely. Like, that, it not, was something we were talking about before in the podcast, uh, how it's a little bit sad that he never played for the Knicks. That would but, have been so cool. Yep. And then he probably would have been like, oh, I have to play for the Nets if he ever had to play for the Nets. We were in Brooklyn so though now, which is so cool. Yeah, yeah, but he probably had that hatred of the Nets in that era. So <laughs> it's like uh, South Park. Screw New Jersey. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, his dad was a baggage claim terminal handler at, uh, I believe, John F. Kennedy Airport. Uh, born to a very big Irish Catholic family. Yes. Which will come into play later in his career as far as some of the things that might be holding him back mm. but didn't eventually do it in the long run um was a huge like i said a huge knicks fan growing up loved the rolls royce backcourt yep that of uh walt, walt frazier and earl the pearl oh yeah and his other one that he said was uh, larry bird which mm -hmm. everybody once he gets into the nba everybody kind of like is just like oh that's a larry bird style like i think he was like two inches shorter or something like that but they played very similar games always very compared very same uh, speed because they just seemed like a little bit slower than everybody but still unbelievable offensive weapons chris mullen is what adam morrison might have been oh that's good like yeah. Like, you know, maybe not quite Larry Bird, but definitely one of the NBA's greatest players. Mm -hmm. um, he wore number 17. I don't know if you saw this for uh, John Havlicek. Yep. That, that was the last one that I saw because he really talks about these four guys being the influence on him. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and he played, you know, basketball was king in New York City at this time. Um, there was a good story that I had saw about him and Ed Pinckney, a uh, guy who played at Villanova and in the NBA. They would go uh, to the Bronx and uh, play pickup basketball they would both they're like good friends they would just go around the city just shooting hoops well that's where the best games were yeah so i'm pretty sure they were ready to find the best games and then that really develops you into i imagine just a great all-around player because you're playing against so many different players and so many different good players yeah and i think the thing with mullen that uh, i find so interesting is uh he's of the caucasian persuasion yes <laughs> and he's probably one of the only if not only white guys playing in these games and i'm sure that's toughening him up quite a bit well i'm sure that these games in the bronx are predominantly black like you were saying and i bet they give him a lot of shit and then he gets on the court and they're like Oh, all right, no, he can play because that's what it really always ends up coming down to is just like, no, 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 he's going to shoot it and it's going to go in. And yeah. that's you know what I mean. Like, he was saying like he'd always come to these games and people would be dogging him and his main goal was to do so well that they're dogging the guy guarding him. Yeah, which... and that's he would flip it on guys so much like that because he was really one of the better offensive players of his era. Yeah, um, he was uh, played for the Catholic Youth Organization organization basketball at St. Thomas Aquinas Parish on Flatlands. He won the 1974 um, 
free throw shooting competition. It was like a national free throw shooting competition. So he was like the best youth free throw shooter in America, which makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he was just one of the best um, as far as free throws once he got to the NBA. Um, He also attended a youth basketball camp hosted by Lou Cardaseca, who was then the head coach at St. John's. And uh, that probably has kind of a big impact on what he does down the road. Well, they have just a huge relationship throughout his whole life, even so like we'll say it, he ends up going to St. John's, but even before he goes there, he's really a huge basketball influence. Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting because he, he stays in his life pretty much throughout all of basketball. So Yeah, and when he gets to high school, he goes to a, a place called Power uh, Memorial Academy. Um, he's uh, teammates with a future NBA player in Mario Eli. Yeah. He won a few NBA titles with the Rockets and Spurs. But his junior year, he wants to go to a better program and play with his friends that he grew up with. So he goes to Zaverian High School. Um, I was hoping you were picking that one up. But it was just it was just a better high school with a better team. And we see this. More exposure. More exposure, yes. Yeah. And, and uh, they end up winning the state championship. Yeah, 1981, so, Class yeah. A state title. Um, uh Basically, what ends up happening is he wants to stay on the East Coast. The Big East is finally developing itself as a powerhouse um, for schools. He says he visited a couple of ACC schools, was really intrigued by Duke. um, And because Mike Krzyzewski was going to start that year um, for Duke, and he just loved college basketball, was like, oh, man, this could be really cool. But he decides to stay home and play in Queens for St. John's. Well, I find this to be interesting because... He could have stayed in the Big East in this area, many of New York schools right there, but he picked St. John's, who was not a great basketball program ever. Yeah, but so they're finally starting to get some good players in their program. That's what I, that's the thing is they're like in the past like year or two they're starting to pick it up and when they get Mullen that's like the last piece into making it like a viable kind of program. That's a centerpiece and uh they have Bill Wennington there and then later on you get Mark Jackson. Yep. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the Mark Jackson card where uh the Menendez brothers are in the card? They're and, in the crowd and let's go with what we're referencing here the menendez brothers literally murdered their parents and then went to a clippers game and there's a mark jackson card (laughs) with them in the background because they had bought um courtside seats it's a collector's item like an oj simpson 49ers card it's a good one one, yeah um so st john's um Mullen's a starter as a freshman. I mean, he plays and starts all four years. I was going to say, obviously. yeah, he's ready right off of the bat. And this is what I feel like those Bronx, like, seriously training camps were putting him into. is just like, yeah, I'm going to play college ball. That's not any kind of yeah. challenge. You right. know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, he starts off with 16.6 points mm-hmm. in his first freshman year, which is ridiculous. Like, you'll take that from your center. Or, I mean, from your top senior you know yeah and he's playing kind of both shooting guard and small forward because he has this interesting frame he's about he's six six a little north of 200 pounds so he's like a really big shooting guard who can just fire from anywhere but he's also big enough to play small forward and also you know contribute as far as rebounds and things like that and uh, assists too he's a great passer which is one of the comparisons many had to larry bird but well i feel like he plays with what the defense gives him so mm-hmm. if like the shooting guard isn't necessarily tall, he's just going to dominate that shooting guard. And then if they need him on small forward, which you see in the NBA, it actually is so... It's a perfect so, fit for him yep. because it a lot doesn't 
you're not forcing him to cover quicker shooting guards because maybe a little bit of a step slow, but he's so smart that he puts himself in the right position. Yep. And like you said, he takes what the defense gives him. It's a really good quality because he knows how to do everything on a basketball court. Like his basketball IQ is ridiculous. Yes. Um, so that's for his freshman season. They make the tournament but lose to Alabama. His sophomore season, they win 28 games and are a number one seed. Yeah. And Mullen just keeps – like you just see a steady incline in all of his stats, you know. Uh, 19.1 points a game, uh, 3.7 rebounds, and 3.1 assists. But unfortunately, once they get to the tournament, they lose to Georgia in the regional semifinal game. And this was the Georgia team that later went on to the Final Four. And who knows, that would have been a great matchup if they played um, Five Slamma Jamma yeah. in that Final Four. Because that was the NC State one. But yeah, it's crazy. 83-84. Um, um, he has 22.9 points a game, 4.4 um, rebounds, 4 assists, and 3.1 steals, which speaks to his defensive prowess, yes. I think. And by this time, I think they have Mark Jackson and 83-84, really good team, or a decent team. They're uh, 18 and 12, finished third in the Big East, but they end up losing in the first round of the tournament. Which is kind of what keeps happening with this team is like they have some pretty good regular seasons and then they really just can't put it together in March. I think a lot of it is you're playing that grueling, brutal conference schedule I'm in the Big East. Just going to bring this up. You're not going in 100%. There's no way you're going to have all your players healthy. You're going in with one guy with a broken finger, and it's just Patrick like... Patrick Ewing might have slapped someone in the face. Exactly. <laughs> it's Coming out of the Big East, especially back then, was rough. And you saw it with these teams kind of not cruising through March like people thought they would. It's like, I'm tired. I want to go home now. Yeah. Like... <laughs> But his senior season really puts it all together, along with the team. Um, 31-4, and four, they win the Big East, and they make the Final Four that year. And this is an important Final Four, not only for Mullen and St. John's, but the whole conference itself. Three teams make it from that conference in the Final Four. That'll never be done again. No. I mean, maybe in college football it's three SEC teams, but not in basketball for any conference. Um he was in all, um, so they go to the final four, but they end up drawing Georgetown. Villanova gets to draw Memphis State, and so they play Georgetown and Ewing, and they end up getting pretty much shellacked by him. Yeah, well, Ewing, just so people can like have some perspective, he was pretty much unstoppable in college. So, like, you see this Georgetown team just kind of mow them down. Yeah, but as unstoppable as Ewing was, I did want to bring up Mullen was a three time Big East player of the year. Well, I feel like Mullen was bet was more important to St. John's, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like Georgetown had a better all around team. Even though St. John's had a great team, you see them getting to the final four. But just like with his points, he had like twenty that year. Yeah. You know, and he was like their all time points leader. And I just feel like Mullen was Wooden Award. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um nineteen eighty three Big East Tournament MVP which is pretty uh, fantastic. And uh, I did want to bring up in 1984, he was named to the U.S. Olympic basketball team. Yep. And this is a team that had, like we said, college players, but this was a team of Michael Jordan and like a lot of really good studs. Well, it was the second to last amateur, and uh, Bobby Knight was coaching it. 
throwing chairs, choking everyone. Well, I feel like this was kind of a little bit delusional on our part just to send amateurs and be like, oh, they're just going to win. Because these guys were like the next class of like professionals with Bobby Knight who uh -huh. knew how to coach all of these guys. So they go into this 84 Olympics and end up winning gold. They just mow everyone down yeah. there too. I mean, it's not even particularly close and you know 88 there's a they have a good amateur team but not to that not I mean, mitch richmond david robinson hall of fame but they're not that star like quality in the aggregate you know yeah. what i mean but uh goes into the 85 nba draft projected to be a lottery pick obviously um this was the draft chris where the atlanta hawks went unsuccessfully to the bone zone oh yes arvita sabonis the bone zone <laughs> going to um, the bone zone looking at this draft and back in the nba in this era was such a tall man centric league yeah that literally the first six picks were all big men yeah, but I mean, it's a copycat league. Yeah. And that's just the way that it was, I mean, back in those days. And uh, Mullen ends up slipping a bit, and he slips to number seven overall, which nothing to sneeze at. But he's not particularly happy about where he goes. No, he really wanted... Reason. He really wanted to play on the East Coast. He really wanted... To, I mean, let's not... You know, well, he wants to play for the Knicks. He wanted to play in Madison Square Square Garden. That's like was his dream growing up, and he got to do it in the Big East tourney. Which yeah, is, you know, is great. But like, you want to play for your childhood team. I mean, everybody does. You know, that's just the way it goes. He didn't want to play for the Nets. Let's yeah, just make that clear. Yeah. But he ends up getting drafted by Golden State, who just was not a franchise that I feel like many players wanted to go to. They had kind of about a decade leading up to that of crappiness is the nicest way to put it. And they weren't necessarily on an upward trajectory. So it wasn't like, hey, we're getting stuff going here. It was like, we're picking you up. And it was like, okay. Welcome. It's like that scene in Wayne's World. Imagine being magically whisked away to Oakland. We're in Oakland. <laughs> Just kind of standing there. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, um, he gets there, and they're a terrible team. He had talked about earlier in practice the veterans were mad at him for making him look bad. And while all of this is going on, he's very homesick, and he's missing his girlfriend, future wife, immensely back in New York. And his family, he was super tight with his family. Um, on, you know, beer softball leagues, hanging out, playing basketball. But, yeah, he's... Uh, 85-86, um, 14 points a game, 2.1 rebounds, 1.9 assists per game in the 50 games that he played. Um, unfortunately, the team is god-awful. Well, I want to I point this out because you kind of were talking about how the team really and him didn't mesh at all. The franchise was really backing their veteran point guard at that time, Sleepy Floyd. Yeah, Sleepy Floyd. And he was really at the decline. And yeah. that's what I think Mullen that played in the '60s. Yeah, no, that's what Mullen was saying. It was just like this: this old era needs to go, kind of thing. And you can kind of see in these first couple of seasons, he really struggles with NBA life. They they probably put better teams on the court his last two years at St. John's. No, seriously, like like they were not viable whatsoever and not only not viable they weren't looking to the future like hey we need to get back behind chris he's gonna be our next guy they were like man sleepy's looking good for 42 am i right yeah it's right. like jesus he looks Christ. sleepy because he's old 
<laughs> anyway, uh, that season though, Mullen fifteen point one points a game, three point two is or three point two rebounds, two point one assists. But the team somehow makes the playoffs. Yeah, they somehow squeak into the playoffs, and um, they end up losing um, uh, to the Jazz in uh, five games. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I want to say this because he's playing shooting guard at this point. He's... Oh no, they beat the Jazz three to two, and then they lose the Lakers four to one in five. Oh, games okay. In the second round. All right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they moved him um, from shooting guard. Well, no, he's playing. He starts. He comes in as shooting yeah, guard, in and now guard. and then uh, Don Nelson comes in. Yeah, and Don Nelson is a no nonsense individual as a coach. Very successful NBA coach, former championship player, uh, but he does rub people the wrong way. Um, and we'll see that in a couple of years. Yeah, but he also has the best intentions for his players at heart with something that he does with Mullen and kind of a personal issue that he's struggling with. Well, this is something that for all of the, like his career when uh, Chris was coming through, people were talking about he was always like the first guy in the gym, the last guy to leave. He was always completely dedicated. When he gets into the NBA, he's missing his family. He's moved out to Oakland, which might be a party town. I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of fun things to do. There. He's He definitely said for the first time in his life, he decided to take basketball and put it as like a number two or even a number three as and a hobby as it's a hobby his life uh, yeah. Haba. Haba. but <laughs> he said he was getting it was getting so bad that he was literally finding he, he was like out of shape which is kind of crazy to say but he was like yeah like i would come back from the off season and i would be like man i am winded yeah which is kind of crazy <laughs> because he was always just like that gym rat that was just always just ready to shoot a million shots so like this is when we see Don Nelson come in as the coach and be like, that's not okay. Yeah, and I mean, 87-88, he has a good season by anyone's standards. 20.2 points a game, 3.4 rebounds, 4.8 assists. But this is kind of the moment where everything's out of the box and you find out he is a highly functional alcoholic. And the Warriors and Don Nelson are having no- – they want him to get help, obviously, and bring him back, but they want him to get help. Well, it all comes to a head because I think he misses practice because mm-hmm. he was so drunk. Um, they say, hey, you need to get help. and then December they, 10th, 1987. And then yeah. they suspend him and let him go to rehab, essentially, which is, I mean, it pretty much changes his life. And it made him from, and this is, I bet, what the conversation kind of was, was like, do you want to be a good player? Because you're a good player, or do you want to be a great player? Yeah. Because that's really what was holding him back was, this kind of transition into the NBA. And I feel like as soon as Don came in, he was just like, no, 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 no. We're putting Sleepy to sleep. (laughs) And we're going to put you as our main guy. Please, I'm putting you to small forward. That was the other thing that he did was he he switches him to small forward and almost gives him more responsibility on this offensive end. Which works very well for them. All of uh, everything that Don Nelson does for this kind of thing, which I feel like this is why people talk shit on these franchises is like, this was going on for a couple of years and nobody says shit. And then right. Don Nelson comes in and he's just like, hold on, guys. What's happening here? What the like, fuck are you people doing? Yes. Serenity now. So, <laughs> and this is when the Warriors become a pretty good team because they, they start bringing in good players. Start and... adding players over the next few years like Tim Hardaway, point guard, Mitch Richmond shooting, run TMC. Oh, I love this that. This is this kind of era starting of Warriors basketball. We don't get these names anymore. No. I've we noticed brought this, this up before. Yeah. They don't make nicknames like they used to anymore. No. Like, it's not... F- they're not fun or catchy or just 
overall badass. Yeah, no, know? seriously, because Run TMC for two or three years was really a great. They were like the highest court. scoring team in the NBA. It's like almost what the Warriors later became with the Splash Brothers. Well, this yeah. is what people were saying was just like they'd be viable in the NBA now. And that's what they were saying about Chris Mullen was just like he almost missed out on this absolutely he would be dropping 30 a game in today's NBA. The the huge shoot like literally he would be open for 3 like 50% of the time and his which passing is, would be so oh much more useful. I mean not that it wasn't then, but I mean it would just be ridiculous. Well, the, just the defense was just better then. That's the only yeah. thing. It was a way hard-nosed league like the, the like we were saying coming out of the Big East, like yeah. even in college it was just that much rougher. Um so yeah, he he is a, a guy that might have been better in today's era, but man, he was still absolutely wonderful. Oh yeah. So run TMC starts to go. 88-89. Um they have a career he has a career high twenty six point five points, five point nine uh rebounds, five point one assists, and two point one steals. And this was the first of his five straight all star games, and I think five years in a row where he averaged over twenty five a game. Yep. And so he's sober, he's excited, the players don't suck around him. <laughs> like, what more could you ask for? All-NBA second team. And um, then they uh, acquired, um, and he had 29.4 um, points per game in the postseason. Obviously, you're going to start seeing these Warriors teams now making the playoffs, but they're really not going anywhere no. beyond the first or second round. Um, I did see a great quote from Tim Hardaway when he was talking about Chris Mullen. He's just like, when I drive and I kick it out, and like in the basketball terms, we say, oh, that's a layup. Yeah. And we say it for when people have a layup. And he's just like, but I say it when Chris has an open shot. Yeah. And he was just talking about that, how like he was just like, no, no, no I'm just, I know I'm going to kick it. And if he's open, I'm just like, ah, oh, that's a layup. Him and Richmond were talking about how smart he was. Like they'd start the fast break, and somehow Mullen would be almost under the ba opposite basket. Yeah. He just kind of knew what to do in those instances. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, 89, uh, 90. Um, the team led the NBA in scoring. They have Hardaway, Richmond, everything. Uh, 25.1 points a game, 5.9 rebounds, 4.1 assists. And then in 90-91, Mullen leads the league in minutes per game. Oh, yeah. So his body's kind of back now from, you know, that, you know, alcohol uh, last in the gym first to leave type well, of attitude. Yeah, he was just out of shape. That's what he was saying, especially for an NBA player, which you have to be in pristine shape. And he, this is the him like really becoming his best player. Yeah, and he's just a sniper. He's just a freaking assassin yeah. from deep and just knows how to get open, knows how to defend guys at the small forward position. Just a really good player. Um, 90-91, again, 25 a game. 91-92, another 25 points uh, per game. Um, they beat the Spurs in the playoffs, but then they meet the Lakers, yeah. which, you know, for all intents and purposes, isn't a good thing. But he's NBA first team that year, yeah. so that's pretty impressive. Um, speaking of 1992, do you want to get into uh, what he was a part of that offseason, that summer? Well, and he's one of the guys that kind of gets left off of this list of the dream team because there were so many great guys. And if you would say, like, oh, he's probably like the 12th guy on that team or the 11th, you know what I mean? But he still 
was without a doubt one of the best guys. And I saw a great quote that said, when Mullen was on the floor with us, it spread the game so much that we could just attack the rim because everyone's just like, oh, shit, we can't leave him open. Oh, yeah, when they're picking the team, Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan have talked about just how phenomenal this guy was. They're like, we're not leaving him off the team. Jordan thought he was absolutely fantastic. You go look at the Dream Team picture, and if you don't know who Chris Mullen is or what he looks like, he's the guy with the awesome crew cut. I, I wanted to bring this up right now because even in this era, it's such a weird-ass haircut Like for even a white guy. in the 90s, it's yeah. like Johnny Unitas called. He wants his haircut back. It was awesome because also at St. John's, he kind of had a normal... He had a normal haircut at St. John's. And then he goes to Golden State and he's like, I'm changing everything. And (laughs) he, he... I'll tell you what, he has an image and a look that will like... You could draw like the outline of him and you'd be like, oh, that's Chris Mullen. Oh, yeah. So like that... Very recognizable. Yeah, so... Which is actually pretty cool, but I'm just saying, it's kind of a silly haircut in that era. It's very... uh, it's awkward looking. Awkward. It's, it's as yeah. awkward as my mustache looks right now. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> but uh, 92, 93, he injures uh, a th- uh, tore a ligament in his right thumb, which limited him to only 46 games. But he did average over 25. Um, they end up getting swept in the first round of the playoffs. Um, no, that was the following season. But the problem is they Warriors front office, as good as they were doing, they make a very bad trade. Yeah, they decide to break up run TMC. During this part, um, they trade Mitch Richmond to, I believe, Sacramento. Yeah, yeah that's where I think went. so, yeah. For uh, Billy Owens, who could have been an amazing inside presence in the NBA and showed flashes, but his career just never ended up materializing. And kind of that team chemistry broke up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, Hardaway they... is still there. It's kind of like, oh, I don't know. And uh, 93. 394 what happens they really kind of screw over their franchise when in the draft they end up having the fourth selection um this was the draft where the magic had the lowest odds of getting the number one pick but still get it it. and they draft chris weber but they draft chris weber with no intention of keeping chris weber because apparently i've heard this story while filming the movie blue chips uh, with Nick Nolte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shaq. Shaq is in it. One of the college players who is Shaq's teammates is Penny Hardaway. Yeah. And Penny Hardaway got to play a lot of basketball with Shaq during the filming, and he went to the front office and said, you have to get this guy. He's the basically, He didn't say it then, but like a lot of people talked about Penny being the new Magic Johnson, and he had like a five-year window in there where he played up to that standard. That's true. But... Instead of keeping Hardaway, who they draft at four, which would have been awesome to have him insert it. It would, in my opinion, if he had stayed healthy, would have been a better player than Mitch Richmond down the line, at a, granted at a different position. But they trade all of this draft capital to Orlando for Weber, and Weber gets there, and him and Nelson butt heads. Right, right away. Super talent. I think who, we did an episode on a guy – he was the only rookie outside of Chris Weber to leave the team after his rookie year. Oh, yeah. who it was, but I'll have to look back on that. But anyway, uh, 93-94, um, he aver- MLN averages 16.8 points a game, 5.6 rebounds, 5.1 assists, but they end up getting swept in the playoffs. And Weber's gone along with all of the building block draft picks that you would probably need to rebuild this thing. So they, I mean, this is what is so sad is they literally shoot themselves in the foot, give away 
one of the best guards in this next like two or three years and have have nothing left you have nothing to show for even keeping weber because you didn't end up doing that and unfortunately the guys that they do have are starting to pick up a bunch of injuries yeah mullen's starting to get injured at only this point. uh yeah only 23 games in 94 95 um 95 96 um only 13.3 points a game and by this point hardaway is gone yeah you're um team is bereft of basically all the talent you once had and Mullen is getting up there in years he's entering about year 10 of his career so like you know you gotta have something to show for it and he's entering year 10 of his career as like the number one guy that's the other thing so Mm -hmm. he's constantly like we said he he had number one in minutes one year so like he is definitely putting time in on the court and it's starting to show yeah, a 96-97. Um, he had a career high in field goal percentage, so he can still ball at 55.3%. Um, average is just under uh, just uh, 14.5 points a game. But after that season, the Warriors are in dire straits, and they end up trading Chris Mullen to a contending team. Trade him to the Pacers. Trade him to the pa- there was a good quote from a San Francisco sports writer, a Bay Area sports writer, who said, there should be a good soldier clause in every player's contract. Like he basically went into how he lays himself out on the line for a team that wins 30 games that like, we're going to do right by you by trading you to an up and coming Pacers team. And in 97, 98, the Pacers are really good. And Mullen has a really good season with them. Well, this is uh Miller. Mm-hmm. This is Cheryl Miller. This is Cheryl Miller out on the court. This is Rick Schmitz too, right? The tall, yeah. Rick Schmitz is there. Yeah. The, the Dutchman, yeah. The Dutchman, the Davis boys, and then like, I remember seeing him for the first time, and I was like, "Oh, that guy's from Indiana." And they're just like, "Now nah, he's from Holland." I'm just like, mm. <laughs> "Yeah, and the Netherlands are like the Indiana of Europe, of Europe only with yeah. more red light stuff." I like that. Yeah, there you go. See, that's why he always ends up on the Pacers. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Um, He led the league in free throw percentage, uh, 93.9, and 11.3 points per game. Yeah. Which, for a 34, 35-year-old guy, is pretty damn impressive. Um, Plays all, or started all 82 games his first season with the Pacers. Mm -hmm. And they're really good. I think they had the two or the three seed in the East that year, and they roll all the way to the uh, the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, who do they run into? They run into... my friend brought this up, and it's a really great point. When you look at that 92 Dream Team, there are probably like seven guys that Jordan personally denied NBA championships yes. only by his presence. Stockton and Malone, Mullen, like just across that spectrum yeah. of the team, Jordan probably screwed so many of them just because Michael Jordan, you know. But Well, I saw this was kind of interesting. This was the only team that took the Bulls seven to games. seven games. And yeah. they could have won that game seven. Yep. And they likely end up beating the Jazz in the next oh, series, yeah. which is kind of sad. But 98-99, um, luckily for them, they have a really great team still. And Mullen kind of starts ceding some playing time to Jalen Rose. Um, Which makes sense. I'll be honest. It makes yeah. sense. Jalen Rose, great player. And he was just younger. At that, <laughs> yeah, younger, a better defensive small forward. Yeah. And it, it just it just made sense. But this was the other thing that I was thinking of was just like he could really put in whoever he wants for the situation at small forward. And that's why this Pacers team, it, it was so good. And they're good. And they go, I, have, I think, the two seed in that lockout year. And they go all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. And everyone I remember is super excited because 
you could have had the first all ABA finals yeah. between the Pacers and the Spurs, but the Knicks, who were the eighth seed, I still don't know how they did that. Without Patrick Ewing, and I mean, granted, Latrell Sprewell post choking his coach had an incredible postseason and season along with uh, grandmama but they really should not have beaten the pacers in no this. It, it's it's one of those upsets that you're just like mm, play that again like eight times finally it's not getting gonna... revenge on cheryl yeah <laughs> spike lee no um in 2000 2001 though or um a 99-2000 bench guy again, only 5.1 points a game. And then in 2000-2001, he goes to the Warriors um, for one season when they're particularly terrible. Well, this is something that I do love when guys are like, hey, I'm about to retire. I want to retire as a Warrior. That's yeah. kind of like what happened um, yeah. because he was done. Yeah, it, he it, played 20 games that year. Yeah. But uh, his final stats, I did want to bring this up. He is in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Two times, actually, because I guess... When they inducted the Dream Team, that was a separate entity. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so oh, every yeah, that guy on that sense. team who's in the Hall of Fame is in there twice, which oh. I think is pretty cool. I do like that. Yeah, they gave that them is... their own thing, which I think is important, yeah. too, to kind of illustrate to everybody. How there special will that never was. Again, basketball will never again be this awesome, yeah. you know. But uh, 18.2 points a game, 4.2 uh, rebounds, 3.5 assists. Two gold medals, five-time All-Star, uh, 2010-2011, both times he's inducted. And his number was retired by St. John's, Yeah, which obviously is one of the program's all-time best. Um, outside oh. of Meta World Peace, who we discussed at one point, he's a St. John's alum. <laughs> and Mark Jackson, I think those Mark are the Jackson. three that yeah. really stand out. But mm -hmm. yeah, uh, best haircut of his era. Yeah, Um Special assistant for the Warriors um, after his career in 2004. Lasted about five years. And then he was an advisor for the Kings in yeah. 2013. But now he's kind of back in uh, the front office types of roles, but was a coach for St. John's. He was a head coach um, from 2015 to 2019 and got him into the tournament one year. But um, after one of his brothers died and the team was kind of middling, he decided to uh, call it quits after the 2019 season. So... Yeah, we'll see what, because I feel like more might be in store for him. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. It goes into coaching, commentating, whatever, you know, haircutting. That's all Guy's I'm saying. a basketball lifer and a barber. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Chris Mullen, uh, the lefty assassin. 